Okay, so welcome back to 70 Plus. Today I have with me Mr. Seymour Hoff. Mr. Hoff is actually my childhood friend, Emma's grandfather. Welcome, thank you very much for being with me today. Pleasure is all mine. All right, so would you like to tell me a little bit about your childhood, where you were born? I was born in Poland in the second year of World War II, 1941. Uh, not a good time for a Jewish boy to come into the world in Poland, but that's where I came into the world. Um, we immediately, that was a time when Poland was being overrun by Germany and also by Russia. Poland was being attacked from the, from the west by Germany, from the east by Russia. And at the point where I was born, the Germans were chasing the Russians east. And our family ran with the Russian soldiers and escaped towards Russia. So within a month of being born, we were in a wagon traveling east, trying to get out of Poland. And we were lucky, we did get out of Poland. And we ended up in Uzbekistan, uh, a country uh, north of Iran. Um, you'll have to look it up on your map uh, if you want to. Anyway, we spent the war years from 1941 to 1945 in Uzbekistan, in Tashkent, uh, a city there. Um, I don't, of course, remember very much of that. I was four years old when we left, when the war was over, we left Uzbekistan and we went of all places to Germany because there were many DP camps. DP camps refers to displaced persons camp. After World War II, there were a lot of displaced people that didn't have homes. We were in that group and we went and lived in a camp in Ulm, Germany. Ulm is famous for Albert Einstein. Uh, that's, that's his home. Although by the time we got there, he was very active in, in America. Anyway, we spent four years in Ulm in a DP camp. And I have a lot of memories of the DP camp because uh, I was four, between four and eight years old. So I remember playing there. My playground was bombed out buildings. When, when kids would leave their, the camp and, and play, there were no playgrounds. The playground, we, we would find a building that was falling apart and we would play there. It's, it's amazing what you do when you don't realize what you're doing. Yes. Um, so we, I, I spent my, my, those four years there. We had a school, a Hebrew school, and I attended that, and I still have two report cards from, uh, from those years. Uh, I think positive? I, excuse me? Were they positive? They were. I, mostly I got Tov Ma'od, which means very good. I think in my 
first grade, I got a, a toad for one of the subjects. I was a pretty hyperactive little boy. Um, in 1949, do you want to know more about the DP camp or yes, can I would move love to. on? Well, we, we lived, uh, it was not a five-star hotel. We had our family, which consisted of my two grandparents, my mother, and my two uncles and myself lived in one room for four years. It was, uh, but again, when you don't know any different, it's normal. You know, you, you think as a little boy, this is the way you're supposed to live. How, How do you know that it's any different? How was the rest of your family dealing with this? Were they positive? I didn't, I didn't get a positive or negative. It was just, you do what you have to do. And that's what we did. Uh, we did, we, we had to do. I, I learned to swim in the, uh, in the Danube River, a very famous river in Germany that goes through Ulm. Uh, my mother had a boyfriend, a, a distant cousin, who lived in Stuttgart, a famous city in Germany. So I periodically, we periodically went to Stuttgart and, and got to see the big city uh, where they had a, a big shul. There was still a shul there. And I attended, we attended services. Uh, but Mostly, we spent our time in the DP camp. And we were very close. In 1949, it was either we go to Israel or we go to America. And we were lucky, and we got a, uh, a visa from America. My grandfather's brother lived in America and he sponsored us and we were able to come to America. So, so we came over on a ship uh, that went across the ocean, uh, past the English Channel and, and arrived in New York. I, I remember seeing the Statue of Liberty when we first pulled into the harbor. It was a pretty dramatic sight. Uh, didn't really understand any of that. I didn't know any English when I came to America. So I oh, still have an accent, but it's a New York accent. I don't have a, I don't have a Polish accent like my family does because they were, th their accents were already established. Right. How old were you at this point? I was eight years old when we came here. Uh, and we stayed for a few months in my in my grandfather's brother's house until we found the place and then we moved there my grandfather was a butcher in his career so he he found a job at first working for his brother and then eventually he had his own 
butcher store, butcher shop, where uh, my grandmother used to flick chickens, which means she would take a chicken and pull all the feathers out. Uh, you know, somebody has to do that. Chickens don't come without feathers. So that was her job. When I got older, uh, I used to deliver meat for my grandfather to customers. Uh, what else can I tell you? I learned English very quickly. Uh, as, as a child, you can pick up languages and forget them very quickly if you don't use them. So I knew Polish, I knew Russian. I don't know those anymore because we never use them. I uh, Yiddish was my first language and I still know and speak Yiddish. Uh, and Hebrew was a language that I know a lot of, but my, my Hebrew was a uh, biblical Hebrew, mm -hmm. prayer Hebrew, not, not conversational Hebrew. So when I go to Israel, when people talk to each other, they talk so fast and the language is not biblical Hebrew they're speaking. It's modern Hebrew. And if they, if they speak slowly, I can understand what they're saying, but they fly. I mean, they really fly, just like they think we fly when we speak English. So we came to America. I went to a yeshiva. That was, uh, nowadays, I think you call them a day school, where we had Judaic studies in the morning from about 8.30 till about lunchtime. And then uh, what we call English, which you would now say secular studies, which is English, mathematics, uh, history, geography, the subjects that we learn for most of the afternoon. Uh, I progressed very quickly to my proper grade because I picked up English so fast. Once I had the English, then I could do the rest. And, and math was always an easy subject for me. So I jumped right into that. Um, what kind of a child were you? I was a hyperactive, get into trouble kind of child. <laughs> I know I seem like a very mellow guy right now. Uh, but this is... 70 years later. Did you uh, your mother run for her money a little bit? I did. My, my, I gave my mother a lot of aggravation because she was called to school because of my behaviors. Uh, I wasn't, my behavior wasn't nasty or anything. I was just hyperactive. <laughs> uh, nowadays, they would call it... Uh, attention deficit disorder. I think that's what I had back then. They didn't know what ADHD was back then. They knew that, hey, this kid makes a lot of noise and jumps around and can't sit still and stuff like that. ADHD, in other words. Uh, but you learn to cope with it, and I did. 
Um, so I studied there. And then for high school, I went to a yeshiva high school. In fact, the same high school that um, Alan Dershowitz went to. If Do you know who Alan Dershowitz is? So, I think so. Alan Dershowitz is a very famous lawyer, a professor emeritus of, uh, emeritus of Harvard University. Uh, anyway, he went to that school. Uh, and so did I. <laughs> the, and that's my childhood, I guess. Uh, so growing up, you were always at Jewish schools? Until college, yeah. But did you face any anti-Semitism growing up? Well, certainly if I did in Europe, I didn't know it. In New York, it was a very common sight for boys especially to run around the streets wearing a kippah. It's not unusual. Even today, it's unusual to see boys wearing a kippah or girls. Nowadays, girls wear a kippah. But uh, if you walk through the streets of Seattle, I doubt you would see one keeper all day long. Right. In New York, you do. But every once in a while, uh, some boys would, would pick up, if I was alone, if I wasn't with a group of other yeshiva boys, uh, every once in a while, some kids would try to grab the keep, take the yarmulke off my head, or call me Jew boy or stuff like that. But New York is pretty much a Jewish town. So I didn't experience anything terrible. Okay. It's not like I was living in Mississippi. <laughs> you know? uh, and that was, uh, so I graduated high school in 1959. I was 18 years old then. And I went to CCNY, which is City College of New York. It's not like City College in Seattle or San Francisco. This is a five-year engineering school, a very serious uh, university, part of City University of New York. C CCNY is part of CUNY. And... Uh, what else? When I graduated high school, I started working in the Catskill Mountains in the summertime as a busboy and a waiter. A very common thing for boys and girls. My sister was a waitress in one of the hotels years later. My sister is 12 years younger than me. She was born in America. Um, so it, it's... It's a thing you do to make money, to get away from home, mm -hmm. which is always a good thing to do uh, for young people, as, as you will find out. Uh, what else can I tell you? I became an engineer. I worked as an engineer. I started my own company. And ta-da! <laughs> 
So how is your relationship with your siblings? I only have one sibling. That's my sister. I have an excellent relationship with her. We talk about once a week these days. She's a Yiddish, a professional Yiddish singer and a playwright uh, and an actress. So she's very busy in New York, but we see her every once in a while. She's been to, uh, she came to both, uh, you, you know, Emma and Levi, of course, mm -hmm. uh, my grandchildren, and she's, she came to both of their B'nai Mitzvah. So she's been in, in Seattle. She's been everywhere. I mean, she's performed in Israel and Germany and Poland. Uh, she's all over the place. What about growing up? Well, growing up, remember, I was 12 when she was right. born. So we were never little children together. I was, I was already becoming a teenager and rebellious and all this stuff teenage boys get into. Uh, and she was a little girl, a very little girl. So um, you say you remember we, we were close in that we loved each other, but we didn't right. have a lot of interaction uh, until later when we were both adults. Right. So you said you rebelled in your teenage years. Would you care to elaborate? No, it's just typical stuff, you know. You, you, you play hooky from school, you, uh, stuff, you know, stuff. Okay, we can keep that a secret. <laughs> no, 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 it's not a secret. I just don't know what to tell you about it. Uh, okay. Going to yeshiva, I didn't have, I hardly had any interaction with girls because yeshiva is an all-boys school. And we didn't have uh, dances with the girls' yeshiva because uh, this is orthodoxy. Boys and girls don't dance with each other. So that didn't happen like you might think of a, we didn't have a prom. You know, the, none of that stuff went on. So I didn't really discover girls until uh, I was already in college. So you're married now. I am. For How 56, long you 56 years. Wow, that's very impressive. How did you guys meet? In the Catskill Mountains when I was a waiter and Lorraine, my wife, was an office girl. And we met and, and I tried for years to convince her to be my girlfriend and she finally was and then and we got married as we both graduated college. How old were you at that point? I was 1964. I was uh, almost 24. Okay. Pretty and, young. And she was about 30 years younger than me. I said that for her benefit. <laughs> so you have children as well. I have two children. Uh, I have both a boy and a girl. And it's hard to believe my children are in their 50s. But uh, it's amazing if you think about having children and, and your children are that young, that old. 
<laughs> How were they growing up? Uh, they were good. They were a handful. My son inherited some of my restlessness. Uh, so that, that was an issue. Uh, my daughter was more like a girl. Yes. Growing up until the teenage years, girls are a lot easier than boys. <laughs> After the teenage years, it switches. How so? Well, you, you worry about girls as they get, uh, as they pass puberty. You don't worry about boys. So boys are a behavior problem in the beginning. Uh, anyway, that's been my experience. Right. Girls a little later. Of course, you were perfect from the beginning <laughs> till now. I'm sure. Oh, yes. So do you have any marriage advice for us? <laughs> Be very tolerant. <laughs> Patience. Tolerance. Uh, tolerance for your spouse uh, doing things you don't necessarily agree with. And you both should have that tolerance. But I don't know. All right. Okay. I have one more question for you. Sure. So when Emma and I were both younger, I have memories of you coming over and doing magic shows for us at her birthday parties. And I was very young and I was fascinated by this. I was absolutely mesmerized. I thought you were some kind of wizard. <laughs> so do you mind telling us how you got into magic? Well, uh, I have a nephew who's now about 56 or so, uh, who's a professional poker player. And as a poker player, he needed to find out how do people cheat in poker. And the way they cheat is the way magicians work. So he learned a lot of the things that magicians do so that he could catch people cheating because he doesn't, it, when you're playing for money that you need for your livelihood, you don't want to be cheated out of it. Or you wanted to know something about a diamond? Oh yes, the story of... The diamond. The diamond. So, when I was getting engaged, I was still in college. I didn't have any money to... Uh, get my wife a an engagement ring my mother came to me and gave me a diamond and I said where did you get this she said well when we were in Poland we had money of course we lost most of it because of the war but she saved that diamond and she brought it to America. In fact, when she went through customs, she put the diamond in her mouth to hide it so that she, they could inspect her and make sure she wasn't smuggling anything in. And that's the diamond that I, that I gave my wife. And then 
I upgraded her uh, her ring as uh, as I got financially more secure and gave the diamond to Anne, my daughter. And I'm pretty sure uh, your friend Emma is going to be getting it someday. <laughs> That's well, it's, not a, it's not a huge stone, but it has some meaning. Yes, definitely. That's amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope that was helpful or fun or what? Definitely both. <laughs>